0: Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the BallQuest.com podcast with Rob Lewis, Austin Price, and Jesse Simonton. I'm Brent Hubbs. Had lots to talk about today. Obviously, Tennessee is an 0-2 football team, uh, but guys, an 0-2 football team that clearly has their quarterback in the eyes of Jeremy Pruitt. What, what do you make out of Jeremy Pruitt's pretty staunch defense of his quarterback after two weeks of play?
1: I, I think he knows he doesn't have much behind you I was going to say, I think he knows he's got two freshmen and never taken a snap, and neither one of them are, are Trevor Lawrence 2.0.
2: He doesn't have an option. We've been saying that for months. I mean, Pruitt said it explicitly on Monday that, you know, if you've been in and around this program the last, you know, half a year, year, number two is their best option. Now, number two is not playing well at all right now, and if Tennessee has any hope of climbing out of this giant sinkhole, then they need Jared Garantano to play, you know, a hell of a lot better. But it's, the, the you know, fans kind of hoping or thinking that Brian Maurer or Shroud is gonna be some savior. That's just not gonna
0: happen. Yeah, it was interesting. At the quarterback club on Monday, Brute was asked specifically about the backup quarterbacks, wanting to know what are their strengths. And he said, you know, JT Shroud, he'll go out on the practice field and about seventy five percent of the time it'll be it'll be good. He's got a big arm, you like what he does, and then there's about twenty five percent of the time you're just like, You can't do that. I mean that's, that's not you know, you can't play that way. You can't do those things. And he he said in Brian Mauer, good athlete, guy who's fearless. You know, as we saw as he grabbed his helmet, went to run on the field, he was going to play when the, the BYU kid threw the shoe, but he said you know he's never he's never had to read the field before defensively, never had to do protections before he's just kind of gone out and run around and played, uh, which is hard to do and and I think I think the defense of Jerry Garantano is one you don't want to lose him mentally, and b, I think it's more you don't want to lose him mentally because you don't have any other options behind him. Uh, I think that was pretty clear, so the question becomes if you're Jim. Chaney and Chris Winkie. What do you do to get Jared right? What you, I mean, look, this is a guy who he took a lot of hits last year, but he didn't put the ball up in harm's way. He didn't throw many interceptions. He was risk averse. That, that's how right. I – he was risk averse. I mean, he
2: he took some sacks that were unnecessary because he you know he, he does not particularly uh, feel the game or see the field. But he he was mostly accurate and he was risk averse. And now it is. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt said on the coaches. We were talking, Rob and I were talking about it before. You know, and I had it in my piece. Jerry fruits on the coach's show Sunday said that ball should have been an interception. We got lucky there. That one should have been picked off. <clears throat> oh, that was—we're fortunate that wasn't a turnover right there. Three times, and Garantano actually did throw it, an interception. So, you know, I mean, he's especially down in the red zone has been particularly errant. Uh, it's 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 a it's a bizarre regression from a guy that you know had generated so much buzz.
3: You, you want your quarterback runs. to be
2: locked in, just not locked in on a receiver. <laughs> I mean, like, I, it, it's
3: it, – it's, to me, it's, it's – how, how, do, how, how do you feel like he's taking a step back? Because, I mean, it really does feel like this is the JG from two years ago when, you know, he, at the tail end of the Butch regime, he's playing against South Carolina and and, and making some of those type throws.
0: I don't have I any – I mean, I don't know why it, it's that. Was, it, he clearly does not feel comfortable. Um,
3: when the pockets have actually been better this year, on the whole, yeah, yeah the offensive he, line has I mean,
0: been
1: better. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, I mean, they've not played right, they, SEC team. Yeah, right. I mean, they've
0: they've just, not played. They've not played Florida off the edge. They've, they've not played, not played, played an Georgia NFL defensive lineman, the right? They'll see every week. But that makes it even more concerning. No question. I mean, because <laughs> but, but here's the thing, too. I mean, what what BYU was doing is is they dropped eight in coverage and they said figure it out, you know. And and he had a hard time figuring out. He, he missed open guys. I. I don't understand why it's that way. The, the reality is the, the, the resume on tape, if you will, through eight quarters is this is where he's at. So if you're Jim Cheney, how do you fix it? Well, another bizarre thing, and I mean, I've been tracking this since last season, had
2: it last week. We'll have it in the, uh, you know, PFF stuff again. He's been bad, and, and it's bizarre on Saturday because they ran the ball so well. But he was bad again off on play action. He was just inaccurate. Was not nearly as good. And he would think prior to you know that <coughs> Vanderbilt game that had been his strength because the windows are much easier to read. You know, you know it's one progression, two. It's it's very simplified. Uh, but if he's not doing well there, and he already you know his numbers take a, a dip anyways when it's just a standard three step or five step drop. I mean, I, I don't know what I, I don't know what you know. Cheney is going to be able be able to unlock here.
0: It feels like they almost Rob, have to take the middle of the field away from him, which is impossible to which play. Which is what
2: they did on Saturday at the end of it, right. the right. Well, they, they first took half. they
0: took the air out of the but they took the ball away from him to a large degree. But I mean, he's getting himself in the most trouble. It seems like between the hash marks. I mean, the, the interception was just
1: mind boggling. I mean, to not see, to be a, you know playing on campus for four years, playing in your third year as a starter, and to not you know have any more awareness than to make that throw I mean there was I don't I still don't know what he was doing and then the two two that resulted in touchdowns and you know down in the red zone both could have been intercepted I mean Juwan Jennings makes two phenomenal plays on the ball or
2: well then they nearly almost don't even get to kick the field goal in, in double overtime which was another one Pruitt talked about which was when he just heaved it up into the middle with three guys around DWA and DWA basically played defense. Yeah, and DWA the basically fields. played defense to make sure that it wasn't an interception.
0: Well, and I mean the, the touchdown to Jawan Jennings the the first one on fourth and three, he wasn't even throw that's not no. where he was trying to I don't he's, know. He's I not, guess he was trying to go to D W A. But that right? ball was a bad ball even then. And it was behind him. Yeah, you know
1: so, I mean BYU defenders got their hands on both of his touchdown
0: passes. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean they they you know, were hardly clean. Which which again goes back to and I don't know the answer to it and, and Jim Chaney, that's why he makes one point five million dollars. How do you fix him? do, do you do you roll him out and take half the field away? Do you do check with me at the line of scrimmage, and he tells you basically where to throw the football based on the kind of like, defensive like, line? You watch Campbell County
3: play gives a lot, kind of like Campbell County does. They get the line, they look at the that's it's it, what Randy
0: Sanders did with Eric Ainge and Brent Schaefer for, yeah. for the entire, basically an entire year in 2004. I don't know what the answer is. I just don't think you can continue to do what you're doing right now. I get he doesn't have anybody behind him, but – I don't see how you can sit there and put a game plan together where you got a lot of trust in him making throws when, with the game on the line in the second half, you took the ball out of his hands as much as you could and said run the football. And and here's the here's the thing about that: it's great they ran for 200 yards. I mean, it's 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 really good. But as Pruitt said this week, you know, in in the quarterback club, you know. The way BYU lined up, you should be able to run the ball effectively. It's why Utah ran for 300 yards against them. That That's fool's gold if you think Tennessee suddenly got a run game going against SEC teams with speed at linebacker who's not going to give you the edge.
2: They're not Most SEC teams aren't going to play a three-three-five and line up their three guys in between basically the guards and then have their linebackers tucked in too. I mean, I, I don't know how Tennessee just didn't continue to run off tackle even more than they did. I mean... You know they got gimmicky, where BYU basically dared them uh, to to do that end around on fourth and foot, and they obliged and, and blew up the play. But I mean, that, the, the offensive line played better, but it, it's a lot of that was just kind of the scheme that BYU was. running. Yeah, I mean
3: it's it's better from the standpoint of you know uh, the last couple of years they could not have done what they did Saturday. Kind of even like with the pass protection stuff, even the the, the teams like North Texas or know, you know whoever, was able to get pressure on the quarterbacks, whether that was Dormandy, whether that was JG. You know, they've been able to get home, and the pockets have been not very good, even against bad football teams. So, to me, that's the one progress you see. But, you know, I mean, it is very concerning when you look at, you know, what you've got coming up in two weeks. I mean, Florida's going to come
0: off the edge, and they're going to be able to get home with four guys and drop the back seven. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot of doubt about that based on Kind of what we've seen in the past, unless this offensive line really continues to grow. Those tackles have not been tested yet with an no. edge guy who's who's a good edge guy, as you mentioned, Rob. They haven't played at the NFL defensive lineman yet. With that being said, did Tennessee find four of their five on the offensive line on Saturday? Is is right guard the only place where that they've got they don't know who their right guard is. Do you think that they that Marcus Tatum's the right tackle, Kennedy's the center? Trey Smith's your left guard. Jameer Johnson is your left tackle, with Wanya being the first guy off the bench outside of the right guard position. That's probably
2: accurate. Although I will say that we say they don't know who their right guard is. They, you know, they lament maybe behind the scenes about you know one guy or another. But Ryan Johnson continues to get the lion's share of reps there. I mean, Riley Locklear, I think, only played twenty-five or, or so snaps. You know, Ryan Johnson still got the bulk of the work there. So you know is, that, is it? are they going to give Calvert a look? I don't think it doesn't seem like it. He hadn't played the first two weeks. Carvin clearly is out of the rotation. They did not like what they saw early on from Darnell Wright. Pulled him very fairly quickly. So, I think you're it would be correct to say that perhaps they're settled in those other spots, but maybe they're settled with that that's that's the five they're going with again on Saturday.
0: Well, let me ask this if <laughs> This is bad to say because of what happened in week one. If you can get to the point on Saturday where you want to move some things around, do you look at a Jameer Johnson this week at right guard? He played left guard a year ago. You know he's one of your more physical players. Are you better if you put him at right guard and put Wanya Morris at left tackle besides beside Trey, and that ends up becoming your five? I guess what I'm asking is, if you, if you, don't, if you don't think Calvert's ready... <clears throat> Which clearly they don't at this point, and you're not getting the production that you get that you need to get out of Ryan Johnson and Riley Locklear at right guard. Is that the, is that the next potential move? Is sliding Jameer Johnson back inside to play guard where he did play a year ago and survived and, and was one of your more physical guys? Look, Actually, I know
2: I think that is, I think that is an option. I also think that you know I would probably start Locklear and let him play a bunch of snaps in a row and see how that goes. Because he was actually better in week one than most of the other linemen. I don't think Riley Locklear – you know, he's not going to out as some all-SEC guy. Uh, but I do think he gives you more upside than Ryan Johnson. I agree. You know, I mean, I, I would continue just – to you hate to
3: bounce people around, especially young guys. But, I mean, I thought Darnell honestly looked the best he ever looked at guard down in Orlando. I don't think that they should at least toy with, you know, playing maybe him at some right guard during practice just to see – if it works, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, you may find a niche there for him that he can get on the field faster. Not to say he can't move back out
2: to tackle. I mean, They don't have a lot to lose at this point. So.
0: Well, I mean, look, if, if you're going to figure it out, Rob, this is probably the last week you're going to get an opportunity to think <laughs> yeah, about the toy figuring was it stuff. out. Yeah, I mean, I mean and you, <laughs> look, you're 0-2. I don't want to sit here and say, you know, anything in this in this world of college football with this team is a laydown. But if you're going to experiment any – or have hopes of experimenting any, it's gonna be this week. Yeah, and I think
1: that's one of the most critical, you know, offshoots of those last two weeks is you hadn't you know, you've not gotten a snap for a freshman quarterback. I mean you that I mean you, you don't want whoever Brown that, that, that to be in Gainesville in the second quarter, you know, JP or J G you know, turns his ankle or so, I mean I, I think not not getting yourself in a position where you can really empty the bench in either of these first two games has been has been a blow.
2: Which is something that we noted that was going to be a concern, even if they had one. Now, if you sit two and oh, you're feeling a lot better. But when I kind of wrote in my preseason predictions, the idea of progress, wins and losses are, are are what you know matters in the end. But if you're not blowing out bad teams, well, they're not even not even they're not even not blowing them out. They're not even they can't they're not even in a position to not that can be competitive at times, and then having to whether it's those guys or even a guy like Jeremy. Jeremy Banks played two snaps on Saturday. Crew yeah, I mean, keeps better, talking about how much they need to build inside linebacker depth. He played two snaps. Shannon didn't play.
1: I mean, how much better off would Roman Harrison be if he'd get to play the whole second half while they were thumping Georgia State? Or, you know, same for Quarrest Crouch. Jeremy Banks are just or,
3: more... or, or how would you feel
0: about Maurer, Shrout? All those know, guys. All yeah, those I mean, guys. That's, that's what you were hoping. I mean, that's what you expected and thought The the – you know, the first two games of the season we're going to be about to speed up the growth of, of this football team. They obviously haven't been able to do that. So how much do you experiment this week? You say, well, they've got nothing to lose. You are a week away from getting ready for SEC play where you better be dialed in as best you can be dialed in with who you have. How much can you experiment this week versus we better get locked in who who, who our best six or seven are on the offensive line We've experimented enough throughout the preseason and the first two games that we've lost. This is what we got to roll with through a brutal month of October that's quickly approaching.
2: I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, I kind of, you know, with Roe and some other folks on Sunday, we're, we're, we're on Twitter harping for the youth movement and all that. The youth movement's already happening. It's already happening. You look at the snap count in Week One and Week Two. Pruitt is mostly playing the guys that he believes gives them the chance to win. Now, the offensive line, maybe that's notwithstanding because they've kind of yo-yoed Wanye to two positions. Darnell didn't play a lot on Saturday. But, I mean, I think, you know, Henry T is going to – whenever Batuli comes back, it's going to be Henry T and Batuli at the inside line. Crouch Crouch is coming on. Crouch played 30 snaps on Saturday. Roman Harris didn't play in the opener. He's out there in the last series of the game. DeAndre Johnson played two snaps. Right. I mean, like, the youth movement's here. Warren Burrell is playing. Even though well, Warren but, but, Burrell doesn't have a lot of confidence, I mean, like, I, I just... Pruitt's talking about the lack of experience and the roster and all that. I mean, that's just, they're, they're playing what they have.
0: Well, and, I mean, when everybody says youth movement, that's... The, the, what they're basically saying is play the backup quarterback. Play, play the... I mean, that, that's the youth movement that they're looking for is change your quarterback. Because they are playing youth everywhere else. When you... when. That's just another way of saying bench JG. Yeah, That's okay, what people yeah. are looking for when they say that because you're playing a freshman tailback. You're playing freshman offensive lineman. You know, you're, I mean, the only, place you're not, playing receiver. Right, the only place you're not playing a freshman is at tight end. You know, outside of that, you're playing freshman at receiver, running back, um, offensive line, defensive line are all newcomers. Okay, maybe you're not oh, playing did. Elijah Simmons, but they're all newcomers. Yeah, no, 100%. You know, freshman at linebacker, freshman um, you know in the secondary with, with Warren Burrell uh, so I mean there's not like you say there's not anybody else to play really from a youth standpoint I mean, I mean some guys will continue to come on but you've seen who those guys are going to be this year
2: well and, and there's going and you have to and, and I noted this in a tweet I mean you ha- there has to be a balance that's you know you strike there too I mean Theo Jackson is a veteran who is playing better Bumpus is a th- what a third-year player who is playing he better. better. You get Austin Pope has been was the best tight end that Tennessee had on Saturday. Yeah, and it wasn't and he, and he it wasn't him. Dominique Wood Anderson. Right. It was Austin Pope. I mean, he certainly
0: had, blocked the best on the edge. Was yeah. he perfect every snap? No, 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 no. no. But, but, he, but he was the best of the one. He was ones. way
2: more physical than D.W.A. So I mean, like you're gonna you're gonna continue to count on those guys too.
0: What do you do at safeties? It, it Theo and Nigel and and, and your Hope Flowers kind of I mean, gets I'd, going a little bit because. Flowers is a guy who a year ago everybody was talking about great ball skills, could find the ball. He was this, that, and the other. He's he's not progressing. He's not he's not moving towards his ceiling as fast as you thought he would be. I mean, he didn't play very well in week one, and he didn't play a whole lot at all in week two. Now he was only in dime
2: packages on on Saturday against BYU. That was, they went with Theo and and. And Nigel, which we expect when we had it in the war room on Thursday, we kind of heard some of those rumblings. I, I would give, I would see because Tennessee's safeties are a bit interchangeable. I would, I would give him a, a, some of Nigel's snaps on Saturday and see kind of how that Flowers Theo combo works. They
0: need somebody in the back end to go get the ball in the air. You know, you're talking about being ball hawking to be in a position to make a play. That just doesn't feel like, you know, they're either, Rob. They're either so far off the ball or they're late responding. Or something it just. It doesn't feel like that a safety's on the field very much. I mean, they don't make a play. I, I guess I that's what I'm saying. T-
1: to say I haven't, other than Nigel whiffing on the sixty-four yard, nearly when he chance had, had a t- had a chance to tackle the other. I don't know that I've noticed Nigel he the pass interference call against Georgia State, and I've not noticed Flowers at all in two games. Yeah. Yeah. Well, other than me. other than
2: when he was running down the the. The the two running lanes in, in Georgia State and ran the wrong way and got yanked. I mean Flowers was not good.
0: No, I mean he hasn't been. I mean they they need him. You know you're talking about youth movement. They need that guy to come on. You know they need a lot. They need a lot of guys. To, I mean nigel has on.
1: got one interception in his career. Yeah. yeah, I think you know what he is by now.
0: Yeah, one not been around. Uh, and
2: another guy who ever and we and we talked about this in the pod after week one. It's early. He's he's a younger kid too. Hadn't played a ton of football. Red, you know, basically was injured a lot last year. But I mean, Aubrey Solomon's been mostly you know invisible out there, to me.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, I,
2: agree. I agree. I agree.
1: Mean, I, t- I mean, Greg Emerson's been the, been, been the best. The most, I would spot. say
2: Greg has been the most disruptive. Mm-hmm. He's been the most. They, they still, you know, there's some consistency issues there in terms of down to down. I think also just basic conditioning. But, I mean, one of the sacks that Bumpus had, and Bumpus has come on because, I mean, Pruitt said it Monday, you know, he practices the right way, he's bought into the system. That that sack when he blew up the screen, I mean, that Greg Emerson deserves like a half a sack or an assist right. for getting that because he just destroyed the running back cutting up the field and, and allowed Bumpus a free release. Well, a
3: lot of that goes to not just what Emerson did on that particular play, but just leaving the kid at a set position and letting him figure it out, letting him learn. I mean, I mean, Bumfus was, you know, a lot like Banks and some of these other guys that they've just, I mean, you talk about yo-yoing. I mean, those guys have yo-yoed, like, four times. I mean, that's a lot, man. I mean, like, remember when Phil did that with Anthony Anderson, you know. Receiver,
0: DB. Yeah, I mean, it was
3: just kind of wherever we're thin at the time, and the kid never really was able to get anything done. I mean, it's kind of nice to see a kid that, you know, has found his footing somewhere when he's gotten kind of yo-yoed back and forth.
0: Yeah, and he's he's completely bought in. You know, I think there were times early in his career he was all about wanting to play tight end. And, and wasn't That's interested. natural, though, you know. Yeah, I mean. and, you know, once he kind of – once he started to buy into it, I think he and Tracy Rocker have – and look, the opportunity's been there for him. A year ago, Rocker was, Rocker was new, and he was trying to get Shy Tuttle, Kyle Phillips, and Alexis Johnson. And that was – no, no, I'm not saying he didn't coach those other guys, but we were on the practice field even in the limited time. Even in individual periods, his focus was really on those three guys. And, and those guys got all the reps. And, and now you know, they have to have um, Latrell Bumpus and some other guys come on. And, and you know, they've, they have. I mean, he has to some degree. And we'll see who else can come on with that. I mean, Darrell Middleton was a no-show uh, on Saturday. But Emerson, as you mentioned, has, has found his footing to, to a degree – how much more can he go? Which gets me to this next question. Pruitt keeps talking about seedling. A lot of improvement from week one to week two. I think some of that improvement was a different focus from the coaching staff on an opponent from week one to week two. I think they were more dialed in. Okay, I think I think week one was so much more about them and not as much about an opponent. And they had this this idea they were. To, I'm not saying they did. they ignored Georgia State, never looked at the tape or whatever. But you could tell by who all they rotated and what they did, it was about them going into it. Instead of waiting until the game was in hand and then making it about them, it was about, you know, playing a bunch of guys and figuring out what you could do. You know, defensively, they were more aggressive in in game two, as Coach Pruitt talked about, et cetera. What what is the ceiling for this team? Pruitt keeps talking about how high the ceiling is. How high is the ceiling right now?
1: Well, I mean, I. If you're talking about wins and losses, I mean, what losses were like what their best game looks like. I mean, at this point, the way they bust these first two weeks, I don't think the ceiling for wins and losses, I mean, if they get to six, they will have pulled off a couple of is, shockers.
0: Is, <laughs> is, the C, is the ceiling higher? Somebody puts this on social media on Twitter. Is the ceiling higher because they're so far down in the cellar? through What they've done the first two games? Is the ceiling misleading for this for this team, for this know, there's, no, there's no place to go but up. I mean,
3: basically. I think
1: at the floor is how they look against Georgia State. They can play a much, much better football game than that. No, is that going to turn, does that mean they can win six games? I don't think so at this point. But I think they but
3: that's meaning you're going to win four in SEC play. Yeah, I mean, is that that,
2: that to me seems outlandish? I feel like yeah. it's one of those ceilings. I'm like Willy Wonka, where it's like a <laughs> you know a, 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 an optical illusion. I mean it. it I, I, that was an odd quote that Pruitt had. I mean, Pruitt was interesting on Monday because he was very optimistic and hopeful. And You and, uh, think that was to, to make sure he didn't lose his team? Perhaps. Lose I mean, his fan base? Perhaps. Yeah, I mean, he said some strange things on Saturday that I think maybe irked the fan base. So, But yeah, maybe. But I kind of wonder how long that's going to last. It'll last through Chattanooga. <laughs> but... Because then when you start playing SEC team, I mean, Pruitt did say, because I haven't even looked at yet, you know, near the end of all of his, you know, we got it, we're got we going to get better, we're growing, we're growing, we're growing. Other teams are too, and Tennessee's 0 2. In a year, two weeks ago, fans had talked themselves into quite optimistically that this team could go 8 and 4 because the schedule was much more favorable. You play th- first three games at home. Well, now, if you, I think, what is it, other than. What, in, in Jeremy Pruitt's tenure, what do they lost five or six home games already? Yeah. I mean, it's not good. I mean, I, you beat I, an FCS team in Charlotte and, UL, and you know UNLV and be Kentucky. Kentucky. Be
0: Kentucky, yeah. But at, at the same time, too, in the in the SEC East, Kentucky's lost their quarterback for the year. South Carolina's lost their quarterback for the year. The East, if Tennessee. It's ironic. If Tennessee had found a way to win Saturday night, then there would still be talk about you know six, seven. Oh, yeah. Because the way the East appears to be opening up, Vanderbilt's not very good. Kentucky lost their quarterback. Kentucky lost their quarterback. South Carolina lost their quarterback. Tennessee fans, you know, fans in the East. I mean, Georgia's looking over there, going, I don't know that anybody's going to contest us in the Eastern Division.
2: Well, but and then, but, but that, I mean, like, but, but they, the rest of the
0: East seems to be opening up behind 100%, Georgia. A hundred,
2: a hundred percent. But then that was the case a year ago, and Tennessee wasn't very good, Vanderbilt wasn't very good, South Carolina wasn't very good, and Tennessee still either struggled or did not win those games, and so I, it's, you know, the the, the idea of hope and, and and kind of, it's it's a dark place. I mean, it's like, you know, it's kind of a, it, what happened Saturday night with a 99 point whatever 6 percent chance win probability and then not win, I mean, that, it's like a clockwork orange deal. I mean, it's 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 inexplicable.
0: So should should fans focus more just on individuals getting better? If you're if you're I mean if you're advising a fan, how do you handle the rest of the season? Yeah, you just focus see, on the individuals. See how yeah. how far does Henry right. T come, and how far does Gray come in a year? these guys.
3: That's hard though, because I mean, like,
0: well, sure, you judge on wins
3: and losses. Well, that and like you know, I mean, I guess if you're a fan, you're gonna stay home. If you're a fan to come to the game, I mean, I, how much are you really just paying attention to one guy? and... You know, kind of rooting for his improvement. I mean, you're paying the money to come to those games. Does that make sense? I mean, I don't know. I, I I just think it's hard. At the end of the day, it's kind of like I've seen a couple people post. After Georgia State, I was totally done with them. But by Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, you start working yourself up into a lather. And all of a sudden, you're like, we're going to beat BYU. You know, and that'll happen in two weeks. There'll be somebody that that thinks they're going to beat Florida. Maybe that'll be me. Maybe I'll pick them this time. But my point is, is like, you know, it's naturally going to happen where like, you kind of work yourself up into a lather and think the light bulb is finally going to come home. Well, this is going to be the week.
2: And that's why, to me, this question is impossible to answer because Tennessee fans have been trying to answer this question for so long. And Saturday was such a missed opportunity because even coming out, out of the Georgia State historic loss, if you if you beat BYU, which was not a very good team. It was an average football team. If you beat BYU, you, could, you would see lots of Tennessee fans kind of rally again and say, all right, we're going to be two and one going to Gainesville. Maybe we, we figured some stuff out. You start, you know, and but you but you're owing. To, it's just the balloon popped. I, you know when that it, well, and you,
0: and you had look, you had ninety thousand plus in there. I mean, they great showed program. up. I mean, it, I mean those guys. I mean, for them to show up Saturday night and be as engaged, proud and proud the whole I mean, time. They were engaged. They, they didn't wait for the team to give them something to cheer for. They were there to support. that the team. First play. I mean, it, they were they were terrific. I mean, they, they keep coming back. And, and hats off to, to, to the Tennessee fan base for doing that. Will that happen at noon on Saturday against Chattanooga? I don't know. You know, we'll, Too hot. We'll, 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 Chattanooga. See, we'll see how that one goes. But um, They better hope
2: the Mocs fill up the stadium.
0: <laughs> lots of uh, – it, it's interesting because clearly Pruitt's trying to sell the youth, you know, we're getting better, we're on our way. I, does he really believe that? I don't know. How much does he believe of that, knowing what's coming in October? We'll see. I I don't think he could play it any other way today. What 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 are you going to come out on Monday? What are you going to come out and say Monday? We're all Jesse (laughs)
1: kind of you know danced close to it a minute ago. But if they, I mean, if they close that, if they just win that game, then really can sell. We made a lot of improvement from week one to week two because they did. Right. I mean, part of that was because they were so terrible against Georgia State, but still against a you know a much better team on both lines of scrimmage. They they played much better up front on both sides. I mean, short guardage was an issue, but still. He, you know, he, he, he could have generated a little optimism. Like, yes, it was, you know, we, week one was terrible. But he, you could have sold it as an aberration as
0: opposed to now, you know, you, you can't. You, you're just a bad football team. So what does this football team do on Saturday? We'll find out about that. Recruiting-wise, big picture, again, kind of where things are. An interesting update from Harrison Bailey from the standpoint of right now, it seems like that, that committed group is locked in, um, solid – does that continue through October? We'll see. But right now, they appear to be communicating and staying you know, pretty close together. Well, and at some point, you know,
3: you can only kind of go spiraling out of control on the field for so long before it does affect you. Right now, it doesn't seem to be affecting them with guys they have committed. now. And that's the key phrase. That's the key phrase. Now, how does it affect... You know, then Derek with, Gilbert, then who's Eric Gilbert, the Clemson. You know, you or, know or, or Noah Sewell, or Darno Washington. that Oregon? I think that you know, <laughs> sure. That that's those the are the ones that are going to be hard. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to me like, you know, somebody, people have asked about Jameer Gibbs for several weeks now. The kid out of Dalton, kid is running for a million yards a game.
0: Now, he's a twenty-one. No, he's a, 20. he's, a 20. he's a twenty. He's a twenty. And they offered him. They liked it. He was camped here. I,
3: I watched him do his. Yeah. I, Jesse and I both watched him work out as a DB for DA. You know, and I mean, like, I think he's a good player, and uh, you know, I just to me like he's the kind of guy. He, but he, he's exactly what you have though. He's not a big back. You know, I mean, if you're, if you're, you know, but if you're going okay, T's our big back. Then, then this is the kind of guy you want for a second tailback because he does got some wiggle. He's got some shiftiness, and uh, he's got—I un- think—some of the best vision I've seen of a running back in a while. I mean, if you watch his film, I mean, he's—you know—he he sees things extremely well. So, but you'd have to flip him too. Yeah, you'd have to flip him, um,
0: you know, from Georgia Tech. But I, I think it's gettable. I think that he likes Tennessee. But you're going to have to have some success, and you're going to have to show some promise that that, that you're going to be able to that you're going in the right direction to flip a guy.
3: Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. But, I mean, like, to me, he's much more attainable because Dalton's just across the line. Well, and you're and flipping
0: it, no offense to Georgia Tech, but they're in a yeah, full-blown rebuild there you go. Coming, out of the, coming out of the the Paul Johnson system with a bunch of guys who don't fit them. they got some long days coming for them. Yeah, they've got to find a way to get Barron in the boat, Hardy in the boat, Eason to, to not want to go play with his buddies.
3: You know, to me, that those are all key for this class because – the likelihood is is this team's not going to win enough to get some of the guys Jesse just talked about. So thus, the guys like Eason, Baron Hardy, Jameer Gibbs, so on and so forth, to me, they become more and more important.
0: Well, you need to have great evaluations because you're going to have to go – got to go find some guys to win with to beat the big boys in the SEC that the big boys in the SEC didn't want. And that, that – you know, we, we always have this debate, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? You know, you got to have – you know, To recruit great players, you got to win. win. To win, win, you got to have great players. So <laughs> yeah. how, what's the compromise? Well, the compromise is you, uh, you get a guy. That's what I've been saying. Right. You get a guy that you've evaluated that Alabama's like, yeah, we like him, but we don't really have room for him. We can get better. But that guy becomes – a guy that Alabama regrets not taking, or Georgia regrets not taking. Maybe that's Roman Harrison in this class. It's what everybody's hoping for. You got to find enough of those in your evaluation because you're not going to line up and 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 well, went Tennessee, out for Tennessee. Noah Sewell and Smalls and 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 you know Washington and those guys straight up right now being zero and two and where you're at.
2: Yeah, which is what I mean. Tennessee needs Alonte Taylor to be that. Yeah, yeah. I mean they need you know, Juanny Morris to be that. I mean those are those are guys that are teed up exactly what you're talking about. The Georgia and Alabama said, eh, oh I mean, maybe, but I I mean if you want to go test it, go test
0: it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So can those guys do that? I think it's funny on Gilbert, everybody's like, you know, three months ago, Clemson's not a factor yet. He just keeps sliding and running right back over there, going to see Clemson. And you know, Clemson thinks they're out. He just keeps going back and seeing Clemson. You know, obviously Clemson is not is not is not lot, out, and they're a major but factor. But a lot of
3: that too, though, is is you know, Eric Gilbert goes there next year. He's sure to catch one passes from Trevor Lawrence for one year, and then they've got the number one quarterback in the right. country committed to him, and who's doing a really good job of, of of pitching to guys not not just Gilbert but other you know playmakers. Um, you know, to come hey, come catch a ball for me. Now, I understand Harrison's his teammate, you know, but I mean at the end of the day, Eric Gilbert's gotta make the decision that's best for him.
0: Yeah, I just think it's interesting everybody's talking about how Clemson was out of it and you're like no way Clemson's completely out of that thing when it's all said done. and done and he keeps going back over there and, and Clemson's gonna be a factor along with Alabama and Georgia and others, and, and Tennessee's fighting to hold on. You know, to, make sure they can, to get an official. They're visit. fighting to make sure they can get an official visit at this point. So we'll continue to talk about recruiting. Obviously, coverage of this football team and this football game coming up this week. That's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com podcast. Hopefully, we didn't get anybody drunk with the drinking game that the podcast has turned into. I tried to avoid some. Of oh, my is that, that, is, that a, today. is that a thing? I That's didn't a notice. thing on the message board. I People don't that,
2: like that, that that we that I refer to pieces that we've written and stuff. The podcast is free. for Folks. we got to drive people to the site.
0: That's right. And ho- hopefully I we didn't know. yawn too much for somebody today in the podcast. I tried so. to cover my mic. <laughs> <laughs> do it for this yes, that edition. was
2: absolutely AP yawning the other day. It, it was 1, me. thousand percent. It was me
0: because I had been
3: to Oakmont and had like three hours sleep the night before. <laughs> oh, poor I, I, it, for it, you. It will be interesting to see <laughs> how it all plays out. Yeah, it Saturday. will be interesting. Exactly right. There's one <laughs> last shot for everybody. That's going to do
0: it for this edition of the podcast. For Rob, Austin, and Jesse, I'm Brent. Have a great day, everybody.